What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Confused Buddha. I'm your host, Josh Buddha. Um, welcome to the war room, dude. We're at there. Well, not we. I'm sorry, not we. But Russia and Ukraine are at war, right? Shit's getting wild out here. And first of all, I want to start this off by saying, you know, I like to be laughy, jokey about stuff, right? For the most part, like, you know. But it's really time that we get serious about what's going on over there, right? And you know, when I'm I'm genuinely concerned. This is very bad. This could be, uh, the, you know, the spark of World War Three. We could be on the brink of an uh, a war or a conflict that has generational consequences, right? So I think genuinely the only way that we can solve this is if we get Aaron Paul and all those celebrities that did that anti-racist video. They need to make a new one. It needs to be anti-war, and they need to send it to Putin. Okay. Now, accompany this with Ukraine needs to fight back on a different front. Now, what I'm proposing is that, you know, we know that Russia is an incredibly homophobic country, right? We all know this. We hate how bigoted they are against, you know, our brothers and sisters over there, the Ruskies, right? Or the Ruskies. We know how homophobic and bigoted they are. So we need Ukraine simultaneously to... Come out with a statement. I need the president of Ukraine to come out with a statement and saying, listen up, Vlad. Listen up, Putin. If you do not remove your troops from our nation, you're gay. (laughs) And I think that that would genuinely solve this conflict. Okay? I'm being serious. I'm being serious right now. Okay? I'm being very serious. I think that this would solve our problems okay somebody tell me a different battle strategy that makes sense seriously somebody tell me a different battle strategy that makes sense right i think that i think that i just solved this conflict because there's nothing that vladimir putin would want less than for people to call him gay i believe this wholeheartedly i think that he would just implode inside Right. And also he might actually be. Have you seen that picture of him riding a horse shirtless? I don't know. Sorry. Okay, I'll be serious now. This actually isn't very good what's going on. It's it's a problem. Right. So last night around, you know, 5 a.m. local time or this morning, 5 a.m. in uh, Ukraine, um, Russia dropped some fucking bombs and shot some shit up uh, pretty much all over the place. We've got. Uh, the Russian troops came in from from the north, from the east, and those two new republics that they uh, sort of basically just like created the other day or yesterday. Um, and there's been uh, a lot of blasts happening around um, Donetsk, uh, Dnipro, Mariupol, Odessa, um, Kiev, right, and and stuff like this, right. And also Belarus has joined in the action, right. They 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 are they were harboring a good chunk of these Russian troops that have been on standby, right? And they shot some shit at them, right? So this is kind of, this is getting wild and interesting, right? And I saw a thing that, you know, Russia has seized control of Chernobyl. The, you know, we all know that. You know, you watch the HBO show. I think everybody did for the most part, you know, most people. But if you if you didn't, you know what happened at Chernobyl. So, you know, honestly, I think that this is pretty interesting that they would they would they would target Chernobyl as being a place that they would, you know, really, you know, go after, right? Because this creates a very strange 
dichotomy, right? Because now Russia can just threaten to blow up Chernobyl, right? And create a nuclear fallout or whatever, right? Instead of they're so they're not technically violating, you know, this whole nuclear war pact that we have, like this whole like, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? So they're not actually shooting nukes, but this is a real threat, right? But basically what Russia's been doing since they invaded is they've been going after, like, um, government buildings and they've been going after airports especially. Obviously, if you're going to, you know, launch a full-scale invasion, you're going to need somewhere to land the damn planes, okay? So, you know, this kind of all makes sense or whatever, but, you know, honestly, also, I need to say that I, you know, if you read my article or whatever, and I, and, you know, I know that I suggested that I didn't think that war was, like, a real thing that they would do because it is so outdated, genuinely. It's very outdated and it doesn't make any sense anymore. Um, especially with, you know, how powerful you can be through through policy and finance or whatever. But, um, you know, Russia is kind of broke. So this does kind of make sense for them to do this. And, you know, I was wrong. I didn't think this would happen. And I'm, you know, I am really kind of worried about, for the people of, of Ukraine. I don't really, I don't want them to, you know, to suffer. But it seems like they may. Um... So yeah, Putin's got Putin just doing drugs or something. He's just fucking fired up, right? And he's trying to push into Ukraine. And but this does kind of beg the question, or not even necessarily beg the question. It does kind of feed into what I talked about in um in my uh, article that I wrote, where I was talking about how the Ukraine, or not the Ukraine, but the Ukraine will be a major part in this. They are one of they're the biggest part of this, right? Is that what Russia really wants right now is that, you know, Russia, they're kind of down in their luck. They're kind of poor. You know, they do have tons of natural resources, tons of oil, tons of mineral resources, rare earth metals and stuff like this within their borders, right? They have all of Siberia, but they're not very good at extracting those things. And I think something along, it has to do with something along the lines of them, you know, not having the capital to do so, right? So um, Russia used to be part of this thing called the... Here, I'm looking it up real quick because I can't remember the name. Um, Eurasian Economic Community. Sorry. The Eurasian Economic Community, right, existed from 2000 to 2014, and its members that were there originally or that were there before were um, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Russia, and Tajikistan. Um, and this lasted from 2000 to 2014, and this was it, it operated in a similar way to um, to like how uh, like NAFTA does or whatever, where it's like a free trade agreement, or it's an economic community, obviously, where they have free trade agreements between all these nations, right? And you know, Russia being paired with all these smaller nations doesn't really you know provide, I don't think, that much of a benefit in general, um, because those other countries are not like the largest exporters or like manufacturers of really anything in general, but. Ukraine historically, if you look in, sorry, we got a couple burps going on, but historically Ukraine, their relationship with Russia in terms of like what Russia has you know exploited Ukraine for in the past, right, with the Holodomor or whatever back in like 1928-29, was um, Russia basically created a famine because they took all the grain out of Ukraine because Ukraine is has very fertile farmlands and they're great at producing grain. They're like one of the largest grain exporters in the entire world, right? And they're, you know, other than grain, it's like, you know, food and all these other things. They're fantastic at doing it because the soil there is so great. Um, Russia, on the other hand, imports like 40% of its food, right? So I think this is like... 
uh, I feel like I'm getting a little bit off topic, but in general, it's that Russia is trying to separate themselves from the West, right? And also push NATO back because there is an element to this of like Western prov- uh, provocation of this. But Ukraine will is their goal in terms of capturing that because Belarus is on board. You already know about this. And also pair this with what I wrote about already, Kazakhstan is also part of this too, right? You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be like on paper or anything like this. Maybe they'll sure things up once they have acquired the nations that they, requ- they that Russia believes they require to, to, to execute this plan for a new free trade um, organization or um, community or whatever you want to call it. So, sorry, let me reset. I know I said that in the first episode that let me reset would become part of the thing. I'm really scatterbrained right now. Not really scatterbrained, but it's just I'm just one guy and I'm trying to report on this fucking war. Okay. I don't have a team. All right. It's just me. And if you know me, this is kind of fucking tough for me to, you know, I could have like one conversation with somebody without having to like actually pull up all these examples and it would go much smoother. But um, there's more pressure talking to the microphone. But um, let me reset. So what Russia's, I think Russia's goal, Putin's goal is, it's not to recreate or reform the old Soviet Union, right? Because if you think about the Balkans, and you know, we're talking about like Bosnia, Albania, Croatia, um, those nations, Serbia, those nations, they're like kind of the rust belt of Europe, right? When we think about, um, I guess, in it, like think about any place that used to be a hub of manufacturing and stuff like this. And now they're all just bombed out craters, wastelands or whatever. It's like um, like northern Indiana. You know, that like if you take the drive in Michigan from Kalamazoo to Chicago, that stretch of land, you know, in northern Indiana and northern Illinois, like Calumet and these places, they're just hellholes, right? And that's kind of what that part of the world is. You know, obviously it's not, you know, I wouldn't say it's that bad, right? But it's kind of close to that. Um, so they're not going to go after those countries because what's the benefit, right? Um and I was reading this thing about economic um, sort of uh, independence or whatever. This is part of the article, too. I forget the um, the guy who said this or whatever. You can read in the article. But um, it's over on Substack. But basically that Russia, in order to create their own, like, separate, you know, healthy economic system or one that can be self-sufficient, they need a pot. You need a or for anybody in general, you need a population of 250 million within the agreement, within the, in the in the market. So, if you add Belarus, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, and Tajikistan into this equation, you know three of those members being from this former Eurasian Economic Community, the population number is like 251 million, based off of like you know kind of outdated population statistics. I'm sure that the populations have increased since then in these nations. So if he can he can create this new alliance. Right and push NATO back, he will be able to. Uh, Russia in general will, will be able to save a lot of money, right? Because then they'll be able to kind of separate themselves from the West and all these sanctions that have been imposed on them since you know they decided to uh, invade, right? And you know, one of the major parts of this is that like Russia imports like forty percent of its food. So right off the bat, Ukraine is a major fucking um, benefit to them in general. Um, and then Kazakhstan is a major benefit because they have a direct pipeline for oil with China that is connected to the Druzba pipeline, which is the pipeline that Russia, you know, um, that Russia controls for the most part, right? It's like a 3,000-mile pipeline. It's the largest one in the entire world, and it runs all the way into Germany, where it then supplies um, natural gas and oil to the rest of Europe, along with this Nord Stream, which runs from um, northwest Russia 
down underneath the Baltic Sea and into Germany, right? And in Germany yesterday, they just, uh, you know, said they weren't going to approve, you know, the starting of the Nord Stream 2, which was completed last year. But it just kind of required it being approved by the German government for them to start throwing or flowing oil down it. But Russia or Germany's like, nah, you guys are fucking doing crazy shit. We're not doing this, right? So... And this this pipeline is kind of what Russia is using as leverage against against the West because you couple this with the fact that Western Europe, in general, like a, a good example would be Germany, right? What they just did at the turn of the year, right? Uh, I think it was like uh, you know January first or something. They shut down three of their six nuclear power plants, which for the life of me, I cannot understand why we keep moving away from energy sources that are you know. Um, not oil, alternative sources to oil and natural gas for energy, right? Because if you can just control energy in general, right, um, nuclear power plants and stuff like this are not natural resources, right? This is a very, like, if you do it right, which we have all the technology in the world to do these things right, right? I think people like to hold up Chernobyl as, like, this beacon of, like, you know, it's going to fucking... You know, this is going to happen, right? But that only happens if you have fucking bad people at the helm, you have bad technology, you skimp out on paying for stuff, and you don't maintain these facilities well, right? That's the only way that that can really go bad, other than, like, some genuine real freak accident, which if you do everything correct, the the chances of that should be absolutely minimal, right? Chernobyl's really the only place that we've seen something like this other than in Japan. But um, Russia can use this pipeline as leverage only because because if you know let's say Russia threatens to cut off western europe to their to the druzba right let's just say that they do that um russia would be fucked right but kazakhstan being a member of this new um thing this new economic sort of market right which i think that they are because of their uprising that they had at, at you know january 5th of this year kazakhstan you know, the people rose up and the government kind of, like, surrendered to the people or whatever. Then Russia sent, like, four or 5,000 troops in to kind of quell, uh, quell the uprising, right? So my assumption now, I haven't really been able to get a lot of, you know, political news out of Kazakhstan or whatever. I haven't checked all that often, but, you know, you know, my assumption is just that um, because of how top-heavy a country like Kazakhstan is, I think it's, like, 40 people in the country own, like, 55 or 60% of the wealth, Right. Which is not too dissimilar to America in general, but when it's that top heavy and the wealth disparity is so large in a country like that, all Putin really has to do is be like, Hey motherfucker, we're gonna kill you guys if you don't, you know, do what we want you to do, basically, right? But Kazakhstan has a direct pipeline that is connected from the Drizba, or the pipeline um the Drizba connects to Kazakhstan, and then Kazakhstan, the country, the 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 sovereign wealth front of Kazakhstan, so the the government owns a pipeline that runs from Kazakhstan all the way to China. So if Russia can control Kazakhstan, not to mention, you know, the population element adds a lot to this, but um, if Russia controls Kazakhstan, they have now have a new customer, right? They can just send their oil straight to Russia, which is the stuff that I wrote about in, my fuck, in, my, in that article that's over on Substack. I don't think I've plugged it enough on this. But... Um, it's also convenient at the same time as the as the Eurasian Economic Community when it uh, dissolved in 2014 was the same time that we saw the up uh, the overthrow of the Ukrainian government, right? When I think that it was like a really like pro Putin guy was involved. When a pro Putin guy was um, you know at the helm, and um, 
you know, the Ukrainian people fought for, you know, their freedom in general or whatever, and they replaced their, their, their person, right? And then, um, you know, obviously, you know, the leader of the Ukraine, you know, not necessarily the best guy. You know, I think, what was it, 2016, where, like, he just, like, you know, turned off all the TV stations with uh, people that were, you know, on the other, you know, that were his, like, detractors or whatever before an election or whatever. I don't know. You know, it's not, like, the freest nation in the entire world. It's not like it's, like, you know, Canada or anything like that. Ha, ha, ha. I'm not even going to talk about Canada. That's a shit show in itself. But, um, yeah, it's, like... It's difficult. It's hard to say because there is an element of this where I kind of understand like why Putin wants to push NATO back, right? And in that when NATO was started or whatever or like where they had this like agreement, I think it was like the Adriatic Charter or maybe um the uh I forget which one it was exactly, but basically the 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 conception or the thought was back in 1990, 91 um, or the, what was this, like the German reunification or something like that? I don't know. But back right around the time when the Soviet Union fell, there was an agreement between NATO and um, Russia or whatever that NATO would not go past East Germany, right? And ever since then, you know, you can see this from, uh, you know, the Czech Republic being added, right? Czech Republic, Hungary, and Poland, right? So that's encroaching anyways, but then you have Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia, and Slovenia joining, right? So now this is NATO trying to kind of encircle and entrap Russia and cut them off from, you know, just really just trying to, you know, push Russia back, right? Which is going against the agreements that they have, you know, that they signed back in the day. So I understand that it's like Putin might be like, yo, you guys are getting way too fucking close. You're lying. You're not you know, respecting us in general, right? So is this an element of, like, decades of buildup, you know, of Western aggression towards Russia that has led to this moment? Because it's like, but then it is then it is a toss-up as to, like, if we would have just stayed, who's to say that Russia wouldn't have pushed, you know, to just reclaim these nations anyways? This is how, you know, why everything in this is so complicated or whatever. But there is an element to, you know, Russian aggression, or um, NATO aggression, rather, into, you know, adding new nations. And then, like, I think it was uh, Georgia and um, Ukraine that were supposed to be candidates to join NATO or whatever, but it's been up in the air, right? And the only reason also that we're not at war, I don't know if people know this or not, I feel like everybody should, but the only reason that we're not at war right now, or that all of NATO is not involved in war right now, is because Ukraine is not a NATO member. So the only thing that we really need to worry about is if Russia keeps going, which I don't necessarily think that they will. You know, it's it's not worth it because if they do go over into, you know, NATO-controlled countries like Poland. Poland is the next one after um, Ukraine, right? If they go into Poland, if they try to take back Latvia, Estonia, um, wait, was that it? Yeah, if they take try to take back, like, Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania, right, because those border Russia right there, other than, you know, there's that little chunk in between Poland and... Uh, those three nations right on the Baltic Sea there, but um, they try and take those back, that'll lead to war. Right? It's automatic. You know, we're going to get sucked in if Russia keeps pushing. So my hope is that they just take Ukraine and stop for the sake of 
you know, global peace, right? Sorry, Ukraine, you might have to be a sacrificial lamb here, but I don't think that they're going to, like, turn Ukraine into Russia, right? I think they're just going to try and overthrow the government and force that government from, like, now on, basically, to be, you know, totally, um, you know, cooperative and supportive of, of Putin and Russia, which would make sense if they're trying to create this new economic alliance to separate themselves economically from the West. Um, and th this whole thing of Russia trying to separate themselves economically from the West kind of does feed into the, or this is one of the, um, it feeds into the, you know, sort of conspiracy theory person's angle, which is something I think I can kind of bring to you, which, you know, because I do, I do like to look into these things. I don't, I don't assume anything revolved that revolves around anything that I'm talking about today to be 100% absolute fact because I and I will get into the facts of what has actually happened in this war I'm just trying to like kind of set the scene for everybody because um, there has been a lot of buildup in involved in this you know it's been going on for fucking months but um so I guess the conspiracy theory angle on this in general is that um Russia is the only one that hasn't really bought into this whole, like, quote-unquote, New World Order thing, which that is not really that much of a conspiracy theory. You know, if you have been paying attention to what's been happening in Canada, I said I wasn't going to touch on it, but I will a little bit, is the influence of the World Economic Forum and this being, like, the main tool or instrument of this, quote-unquote, New World Order, right? And when people talk about this in a company with the Great Reset and Agenda 21 and the, you know, whatever it's called, like, 2030, which is... You know, kind of, it's kind of been going, you know, to a T. If you look at these, um, these documents and these, um, you know, uh, what do you, what would you even call them? They're almost like war games or whatever, like predictions about the future that, like, like the Rockefeller Group and um, the World Economic Forum and these certain places are putting out. Like, these are the most powerful organizations in the world, and they're putting this shit out that you can read. Everybody can read these things, but we choose not to believe them because we, you know, or to believe any of it to be true or at at, at a grand scale. We choose not to acknowledge it almost, which, you know, I think that we would be very stupid as to not. But, like, you know, half of Justin Trudeau's cabinet um, and Justin Trudeau himself were members of this World Economic Forum, um, like, Young Leaders group or whatever back in the day. And, you know, that's how they, like, penetrate, infiltrate um, countries and positions of power to then have them follow the agenda that they would like them to follow. Right? So this isn't really that much of a conspiracy theory at all. Um, it's pretty widely available. You can go read everything about that. <coughs> Sorry, I had to cough. But um, the main conspiracy theory thing is that Russia is trying to separate themselves from these, you know, global banking and financial and um, industrial and corporate institutions or whatever. Like, um, you know, and this is where it's strange because, you know, China's been awfully quiet and it seems like China would be much more supportive of, you know, Russia, you know, based on their sort of economic layout and um, their, you know, how they govern their people and their their government structure, right? Because they're both communist or whatever, or authoritarian or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's bad, right? Um, here's the thing about, like, if I want to talk about, like, China or whatever, is that, you know, I really don't see a separation or a delineation between, like, American corporations, like the largest ones you can think of, and China. They both... Or our corporations, our biggest corporations, like our big oil, you know, tech, all these things, they love China, right? Because, you know, you want to, or I don't know, do you want to look into how America got into the prosperous situation we are now in terms of, you know, there not being a lot of opportunities for people in factory jobs and manufacturing being shipped overseas? Guess where that all went? It went straight to China for the benefit of who? Corporations, 
right? And they make their profit off of us. We make nothing. It's a retail economy. We make nothing, right? We buy shit. That's all we do. We've been sort of bamboozled and propagated into this whole idea of materialism or whatever, and we just buy a bunch of useless shit that gets wasted, hence why, you know, the climate is so bad, right? This is all plays into corporations and stuff like this. I was writing a fucking article about this anyways, um, which I'll have to add more to because of uh, this war or whatever, but... Um, you know, I all I see is like China being like the authoritarian arm of of American corporate interests, right? Because their whole foundation of how they are able to afford anything is because they make all the products for American corporations to sell globally or Western corporations in general to sell globally. So I think, you know, and this is where it gets weird because this is where it gets to conspiratorial and I don't really understand all of it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me in general overall. Right. Where, you know, where I say that Russia needs China. So if they're trying to separate themselves from global powers, you know, it doesn't make sense for them to be, you know, potentially doing business with China in using the Drisba pipeline as leverage against the West. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just the conspiracy theory people's angle. That's why they're kind of supporting Putin right now. Right. And, you know, scumbag of all scumbags, these two. Steve Bannon and Eric Prince said that we should support Russia because Putin is anti-woke and has no tolerance for LGBTQ people. This is just fucking insanity. This is where you get the lunatics in our country to not realize what the fuck's going on because they believe retards like this. Sorry I used the R word. That wasn't very woke of me. I think I just sided with them for a second there. But I take that back. My bad. But... I don't know. I shouldn't even have touched on the conspiracy theory part. It's so fucking stupid, and it probably adds more confusion to this whole thing anyways. But it's just, it's a, it's a fucking shit show, and I could call, like, it's just such a shit show, this whole thing. But genuinely, I don't believe that. I think we're going to be okay, right? But we are going to see some things happen um, in terms of the markets. Like, I think Russia's, like, uh, market just dropped by 40% today. It's, like, the largest drop in a market in the history of fucking modern finance. That's insane, right? Also... Russia has also banned the export of ammonium nitrate. Right, they supply the world with two thirds. Two thir- they're, you know, they make up two thirds of the world's, uh, or of the suppliers. Ugh, sorry, I'm getting my fucking terms mixed up or whatever. But Russia supplies the world with two thirds of, you know, its ammonium mi- nitrate, which is used in farming. So they, you know, they cut off the export of this. So they basically killed, you know, Western European farmers from, you know, having access to ammonium nitrate because it's so important in terms of making soil or farming in general um so yeah that's another thing that they're doing or whatever but i think this is all really towards the goal of establishing this they're trying to separate themselves from the west in general and 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 we as a nation or whatever and the west in general has imposed a lot of um sanctions against them or whatever apparently today um they've you know apparently ukraine's cut diplomatic ties i would um but also, I think that uh, uh, what is it called, like SWIFT or whatever, the global banking system. Um, you know, the Western powers have have cut off. Um, you know, they've cut off. Uh, what do you want to call it? Russia's ability to bank internationally, right? Or they're trying to do that, which I think they need a cooperation from pretty much everybody. And there's people that are not cooperating for unknown reasons, right? Um, Hold on, something's going on with China right now. Sorry, this is live. This is live breaking news. Um, so, 
While many countries have imposed severe sanctions against Russia, President Biden won't say whether the world's two most populous countries, China and India, have agreed to impose the same level of sanctions. Huh. Seems fucking weird. Because, if I'm not mistaken, you know, American corporate interests are most involved with, right, like I just said, they're most involved with India and China for cheap labor and manufacturing. All of Western society is relying on them. You know, and that's why... You know, our iPhone isn't fucking like three or four thousand dollars because you don't pay these people livable wages and they live in squalor. Um, but this is kind of, you know, kind of alarming. Right. It really shows where people where people stand. And also that Biden is willing to cover for these countries, especially ones like China. You know what I mean? Um, yes. China's offered a restrained response to what's going on in China. Um Yeah, Putin did, three weeks ago, Putin did uh, uh, $117.5 uh, billion in uh, deals with China or whatever. Um, also, China is about to invade Taiwan, it seems like. They've been doing all these flyovers forever. And guess what China, or guess what Taiwan is uh, the best at? They're at producing like microchips and microchip technology, the stuff that we in the West are so reliant on right now and why prices of things are so high, why people can't buy new cars. It's because there's a chip shortage, a major chip shortage, right? So if China can go in and, you know, because China has the highest concentration of rare earth metals that are involved in making these things right now, which is kind of why, you know, Russia and the United States have gone into Afghanistan multiple times throughout history because of the rare earth metals there. And, you know, finally we kind of, you know, we had to get out, right? And so now it just seems like, you know, we're going to have to be relying on China for the rest of our lives. If they invade uh, Taiwan and they take, you know, control over that industry, we're going to be relying on China forever. Apparently nine Chinese aircrafts were spotted over Taiwan's defense zones. Yeah, I don't know. Let me go back to looking up what the fuck's going on. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, U.S. sanctions on Russia not expected to severely target energy sector. Wow, I wonder why that is. It's because if they do, the West is fucked. See, China's pretty good at fucking, uh, you know, China's pretty good at, or not China, but uh, Russia's pretty good at playing chess right now. What the fuck? Sean Penn is on the ground in Ukraine filming a documentary about Russia's invasion. Vice Studios confirmed the filmmaker appeared at a press briefing Thursday in Kiev listening to government officials speak about the crisis. Can we get him the fuck out of there? We don't need celebrity. We don't. This guy, you know what? We want to talk about ableism. He played um Sam and I Am Sam, the one about the guy who has like autism or is mentally, uh, you know, quote-unquote handicapped or whatever. You know, I don't think that's the right term for it or whatever. I did also say retarded earlier, so my bad. But he played a, you know, a severely autistic character who's fighting for custody of his daughter, which sounds just like an offshoot of Forrest Gump. But why the fuck is Sean Penn over there? Can we please get him out of there? Please? This is not what we need to have going on. Also, there was that video that came out today of, like, they were showing a live stream of, like, the air... Uh, raid sirens going off in Ukraine, and it cut to a fucking Applebee's commercial, and it was like, oh, something like, Applebee, you know that song? So funny. Also, another thing, I did uh, I did just uh, say that thing at the, in the intro of this about, um, you know, where are the celebrities that are coming out with a video um, about 
um, you know, you know, anti-racist, it's like celebrities making anti-war um, videos in response. Remember that video they did back in the day about, uh, or 2020 after George Floyd was, you know, savagely, savagely murdered. Um, anti-racism thing where they're like sitting in their mansions being like, never again, I take responsibility. Stuff like this. Somebody did it. Um, Anna Lynn McCord. I don't know who the fuck she is. She's an actress, a human rights activist, founder of The Love Storm, and anti-human trafficking ambassador. And she just did a fucking speech, or a, it's spoken word. She says, Dear President Vladimir Putin, I'm so sorry I was not your mother. If I was your mother, you would have been so loved, held in the arms of joyous light. Never would this story's plight. The world unfurled before our eyes, a pure demise of nations sitting peaceful under a night sky. If I was your mother, the world would have been warm. So much laughter and joy, nothing would harm, I can't imagine. Oh my God, what the fuck are people doing? Know your role. Sit down, shut up. You have a nice-looking apartment or whatever. You're in the lap of luxury. Your hair is wavy. It's bleached. You know, you have a pretty face. Shut up. What are you doing, right? This is the thing. Okay, here, I'm going to go off on a tangent. I'm not even going to get into the X's and O's. Shit's getting bad. They're bombing shit. That's all you need to know, okay? Troops are invading. There's been skirmishes. Like, 50, 60 people have been killed. Um, also, like, one thing that's good about this so far is that Russia seems to not be targeting civilians whatsoever, which is good because this is kind of feeding towards their goal. They don't want to kill a bunch of people because if they start killing a bunch of people, that means that, you know, the West is going to come in and step in and start, you know, some level of, you know, forward aggression against them, right? If they start killing civilians. But they're just going after the government because that's all they want. They want to change the government so that it's beneficial towards them. That's it. But... This is the fucking thing, okay? I get, like, I did make jokes, okay? And they're not that good at jokes because people are dying. And this is, like, a very serious situation. I think this is going to, like, unravel into something pretty large. You know, I don't think, I think we're going to be all right, though. But here's the thing about all of this, right? When things like this happen, when a war happens, you know, ever notice how all of these other fucking problems in the world just turn off, Right? And all we're concerned about is like, fuck, am I going to have to go to war? What's going to happen over there? Is there going to be a global, is there going to be World War III? Are we going to get nuclear bombed? All these things. We start thinking about real true problems, real life and death shit. We start to forget about all the bullshit nonsense that we've been talking about forever, right? Like, is Joe Rogan racist? All this other stuff. Like, obviously, like, okay, I'm not trying to be, like, ignorant about this. But this is just examples of things that I mean. We're talking about all these trivial things in American culture. But once war starts, it really puts your fucking real priorities and where your real problems are into, like, context or whatever. Right? And there's people that are still trying to use this war in Russia and all these things to to make it seem as though there's all these fucking angles of dumb stuff that's going on. Here, let me read these tweets, right? So here's a tweet from uh, some person on here. It's a it's a little exchange. Uh, Dana Huell, whatever. Uh, lots of people in Ukraine crowding together inside. Only 35% of Ukrainians have been vaccinated. Less than 2% have been boosted. The anti-vax slash COVID deniers are now polluting my mentions. And if you think disease is a major factor in a lot of wars, well, you're pretty fucking stupid. I don't think that COVID is, at, is a concern when a gun is in your mouth. Right? Can people like this shut up? Right here, Chenk Uger, right? Uncle of Hassan Piker, right? The guy who runs the Young Turks. He said, right wing uh, doesn't love Putin just because he's an authoritarian, tyrannical leader. They love him because he's a white authoritarian leader, 
Race has become more important than even nationality. They've turned on democracy and now even America in favor of a, favor of a white warlord. Who's saying this stuff? I don't see any of this. And if anybody's saying it, you should be able to you know, clearly see that these people are dumb. But to throw race into like a guy starting a war to be like, that's why they're supporting him? It's just, dude, there's real shit going on. People are dying. People are scared. And you're talking about race, the element of race in this. Shut up, right? Another tweet. This isn't discussed much, but Putin very much benefits from white privilege. I just can't see a scenario in which a black or brown man running Russia would be allowed to invade Ukraine with no devastating consequences. See Crimea in 2014. White supremacy will destroy us. People don't realize that this whole like culture, race, war thing really is a Western sort of problem. Now, granted that Russia is very racist, but they're not... Or, okay, this that's kind of an... You know, irresponsible thing for me to say but i mean what i'm trying to say i think is kind of right where it's like this is western politics that we're trying to influence onto a war and see like and make it seem like this the reason why these wars start is for problems that we see in like day-to-day society or on social media no this is about sub stuff that's so much bigger than white privilege like the stuff i've been talking about like why russia wants to start a new you know economic you know um they want to start a new economic market that's sovereign, independent from the rest of the rest of the world. Nothing to do with white privilege. Nothing to do with white privilege at all, right? And also, yes, they fucking do. Have you not paid attention to any wars that have happened in Africa, genocides that have occurred? I think kind of, yeah, it does happen, right? So, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Then another another person, um, Kate Mann on Twitter says, toxic masculinity is going to kill us all, isn't it? Um, and then someone said, and or capitalism, which is hard to d- detangle from toxic masculinity. Ugh. This fucking is so annoying. How are people like this in general? Right? One thing... Okay, here's another one. Garrett M. Graff, journalist and historian, director at uh, Aspen Cyber, contributor to Wired CNN, former um, editor at Politico and the Washington, the Washingtonian. The Washing- the Washingtonian, yeah, says, One thing worth keeping in mind today. There is a straight line from Russia's attack on the U.S. election in 2016 to, to January 6th to today's new invasion of Ukraine. The chaos that Russia unleashed with the election of Trump weakened us to the point Putin feels confident invading Europe. That's not true, all right? If anything, Trump, like what Trump did was continue this, right? Because Bush did it. Bush was laissez-faire, chill about, not laissez-faire, but Bush was chill about Russia and what they were doing, you know, didn't put pressure on Putin, yada, yada, you know, and also so was Obama, right? So was Obama. So Trump has only just continued this. You can't put the whole thing on him, right? And I think we've gone this entire time where we can kind of see where, like, you know, hey, you know, you know, the Democrats haven't really been able to put any, uh, they've been arguing about this for six fucking years. They haven't been able to put real any real proper true evidence or real proper proof together about, you know, meddling in the election. But it's also like you guys meddle in every election ever across the world in places where you have interests. So it's like, who's to say that our own government didn't just meddle in this election? Who who even cares? I operate on the assumption that 
there's no free elections. There's no open, true, honest elections because there's too much power at stake in letting them be free. And there's people that are powerful enough to influence these things and to take control over them. And the failure of people to acknowledge or even think about that being a possibility is the reason kind of why we're here today, right? Even think back to Bush beating Gore. It doesn't seem like fucking Bush beat Gore, right? And it came down to a couple couple thousand, couple hundred votes in Florida, right? Are you kidding me with this nonsense? Why are we? Keep, why do we keep talking about this? And also, like January sixth, man, I don't fucking who cares about that? People hold this up like it was nine eleven. It's not. I'm sorry, but like it should go to show how our problems that we have are really not that fucking, you know, important. The day to day societal things that we have. Because guess what? When we stop talking about them, they don't really seem to be that apparent. Right? Because now people are forced to go outside thinking just about war. You're not thinking about other stuff. Right? And it is also very interesting how we have just transitioned straight from COVID to war. Right? As soon as people, the mainstream media or the mainstream news outlets, because I watch the news every morning. I have to go to work and my boss has it on every day. I watch the news just to, from the perspective of like, what are they pushing? What is the propaganda machine on both sides? Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, all these places. What are they pushing? Right? And once they started all talking about, they all started talking about Ukraine, Russia. For the past fucking three, four weeks, they've only been talking about this, right? So guess what I assume when I see that? Oh, COVID is kind of over, right? There's some people that won't let it die, but in general, COVID is over. Because we moved on to war. Not a single fucking word has been really talked about COVID in general, right? Do people not see how the like the mass media just propagates all of us and how this just transitions, you know, to divert our focus away from whatever else is going on? Like what happened in fucking Canada with the truckers, and it's like they're comparing like peaceful protesters to the people that invaded or went to the Capitol on January sixth. They called them terrorists. They uh, they froze people's bank accounts. They made GoFundMe and these other institutions register with FinTrack, which is like a financial tracking system in um, in Canada, I think. This is like me going off the top of my head, but it's a financial tracking system, right? So now the government of Canada can, and they invoked the Emergencies Act, which basically it declared martial law in Canada. They, um, you know, recessed Congress or whatever. So they didn't have Congress for like fucking five days or something like that. While, you know, basically the rights of Canadians were suspended so that they could fucking disband this trucker protest over mandates over COVID. Which, which they had every right to protest against. I don't see any sort of a, you know problem with that whatsoever. And I don't think you should either. They're not terrorists. They're not racists. They're not Nazis. They're people fighting for their fucking freedom that's been taken away from them by, by the government. And the actions of Justin Trudeau and the tyrannical nature of what they did should scare the piss out of everybody. This is a Western fucking country. This is a democracy. It's right next door to us. And they just committed these egregious acts against their own people by not allowing them to go to work, not allowing them to fucking buy food at the grocery store because they freeze their bank accounts because they called them terrorists for donating like $40. Active persecution of said people that donate to these things, right? But then Canada goes, oh, we've reversed the Emergency Act. If they're careful consideration, the situation is under control. But the FinTrack system is permanent. Those laws are permanent. So all they did was on the surface lift the thing, but the powers that they gave themselves, the powers that the government of Canada gave themselves is permanent. So nothing changed. I don't know. I just went on a rant there. But this is like an event that is much larger than just Russia, like, you know, saying they want to protect 
you know, the people, the naturally, like, you know, ethnically Russian people in Ukraine. It has nothing to do with that. Putin doesn't give a single fuck about regular people. Neither does our government. Neither does the West. This is a resource asset war. That's all that all of them have ever been. Especially since World War II. You can make an argument about World War II. Not being that, for the most part. But since then, everything has been about either... It's been about resources. That's it. That's all wars fought over in general. Think about it in history. It's all about, it's all about resources. No government people cares about regular citizens. Zero. I don't think it, you know, I don't know what it's going to take for people to get this through their heads. They lied to us to get us into Iraq, right? Saddam didn't have WMDs. So once we find that out, why the fuck are we there? Also, all the fucking bombers on the planes were from Saudi Arabia. Why didn't we invade there? Hmm, interesting. Meanwhile, same time right now, Saudi Arabia and the United States are kind of like, or the United States is allowing it to happen, but Saudi Arabia is still committing like this fucking famine genocide against Yemen, right? Nobody's going to talk about that. Same time right now, the United States seized $7 billion of assets that were held in Afghanistan that the Afghani people need desperately because 98% of their country doesn't have enough food to eat. Children are starving. Millions of people are on the brink of starvation. There's a famine going on there, perpetrated by us, perpetrated by our policies. There's a lot going on in this world right now. And I think that this honestly might just be a great distraction. We're see- it seems like they're pushing this whole thing of... You know, in general, that Putin is... I'm not saying what Putin's doing is good at all. It's bad. I don't want the people of Ukraine to suffer. I certainly don't want them to be, you know, adherent to a authoritarian dictatorship. You know, they kind of have just broken out of that, you know, for the most part. You know, you can, like I said earlier, you know, the president of Ukraine and the Ukrainian government isn't the most, you know, transparent, clear-cut, you know, government in the world. They're not the best at all by any stretch. And I'm fucking, you know, I'm not... I'm, like, being soft about it. I don't want them to become part of Russia, you know, I don't want Russia and their, you know, the Communist Party to like gain more control or anything like this, right? But what I am saying is that there's so much going on in the world right now, and you know, if Russia keeps going past Ukraine, they're going to run into NATO. It's going to be a whole fucking global war, right? Just by you know the domino effect of what these packs mean, and if in a, in a failure of response to this, right, they the West cannot not respond if they cross into a NATO country, because then it would show how weak we are. And we've had a track record of, sh- you know, showing our ass in Afghanistan and honestly with Russia too right now. We're showing our ass. We're weak. Because we don't care about winning wars or like, and I don't even, like war is bad in general. We've been lying about these wars we've been getting into. But at least win it. At least have a victory. Like Vietnam also. Like what wars have we been successful in since World War II? Were we successful in Korea? No. It's all been an excuse to spend fucking money. Every single fucking one of them. So I hope to God that we don't get sucked into this and it's not an excuse for our fucking cronies, the military-industrial complex, the Lockheed Martins, the, the Boeings, the Raytheons. I hope this isn't a fucking excuse for them to just print more money, use more of our money, to put in their own pockets to enrich themselves, to separate themselves from all of the societal problems that we're facing right now, like inflation and, you know, our, our, you know, the lack of upward mobility, the lack of housing, the housing market having the, such an increase, right? Hedge funds, massive ones, BlackRock, Blackstone, whatever, buying up 
apartment complexes, buying up real estate because they are the only ones that have the capital to do so in bulk, forcing people into renting. That's the same thing with that. what I was saying. And I know I'm going off the rails, but this is a fucking crazy moment in time. This is incredibly historical what's going on right now, okay? But they're buying up all the real estate to turn us into renters. The, you know, what is it called? Like whatever, blah, 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 2030 by the World Economic Forum says this. Klaus Schwab says this. That by 2030, we will own nothing and we will be happy. Right? We'll have no private property and we'll be happy. Right? For the sake of like efficiency and, you know, global warming and climate and all of these things. No, they just don't want us to have anything for ourselves. These, this is what I'm talking about with the New World Order and all this stuff like that. Like the World Economic Forum, all this. They want to control everything. They want all of it. And the more that we allow them to continue to keep weakening us as citizens and people economically, it, like in terms of you know taking away our opportunities for private property and all of these things, turning us into renters, you know the banks being part of this, where you know you know you get approved to rent for like three grand a month, but you can't get approved for a loan that would have a mortgage payment of eight hundred bucks a month. What the fuck, right? And I don't know. I'm sorry, I got off the rails there, but like our problems in society, like these weird societal problems about like discrimination and all these things. Notice how they fall to the wayside once we have an actual war going on. But then there are things that do fall to the wayside that can't, like inflation and how, you know, every time that our government prints more fucking money, it devalues our currency. That's why where you get inflation from, because to get the same actual value out of buying a product, it costs more money now because you printed all these fucking dollars. I don't know. I feel like I've gone a little bit too off the rails, but basically I don't like what's going on in Ukraine right now. I will try my best to continue to be updated. Uh, follow me on social media. I'll try to keep people posted on this. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, Russia's trying to form a new fucking economic alliance to separate themselves from the West. Okay, here, I'll read out these uh, these last couple things about the sanctions. Five developments today from Russia's invasion to Ukraine. Biden announces new sanctions against major Russian banks, said he'd deploy additional U.S. troops to Germany to support NATO. Uh, the mood in Kiev has changed drastically as Ukrainians confronted with the reality of war scramble to find safety and supplies. A Chernobyl nuclear power plant was seized, yada, yada. Um, Russia's attack is in its initial phase, and it's believed Russian forces are moving to take Kiev and install another method of governance. Exactly what I've been talking about. The invasion sent stocks tumbling. Thursday, the Nasdaq entered a bear market. Global oil prices hitting triple digits for the first time since 2014. Right? We're going to be meant to suffer for this. Right? We're not going to be able to escape this. Okay? We're going to be hit with... The, like our. It's going to get bad. A little bit bad. It's going to get a little bit worse. But I think it'll get better overall. Because I don't think that Russia is going to be able to like hold us hostage in terms of the, the oil market and um, natural resource market for that long. We're going to have to concede, I think. The West is going to have to concede and to actually work with Putin and what he actually wants. Because we can't... Regular people are going to be made to... you know. Because really what he's doing is he's attacking the people in power with this in general. That's what this war is about. He's not fighting with regular people, honestly. He's attacking the people in power and in the West. He's fighting with them. And they will let us suffer. They'll let us suffer. They don't have to pay for anything. We foot the bill for everything that they have. I don't know. I'm sorry. I feel like I've gotten too off the rails. It's just a crazy fucking moment in history. I'll try to keep everybody updated. If there's new fucking developments, I'll record a new episode. But anyways, thank you for listening. Um, and, uh, you know, 
just have love in your heart. At the end of the day, have love in your heart and, uh, you know, try to be a little bit kinder to everybody, you know, because you never know when you might need a favor from somebody. You never know, you know, what kind of situations we might be in in the future. But anyways, thank you for listening. Uh, This has been the Confused Buddha. Uh, Peace out.